thank you. I thank the Lord for the hospitality of God's people here. Y'all have been so gracious, uh, not just to our family, but to all of the missionaries that are here. And we want to thank you so much that, you know, I, I do believe that that um, hospitable spirit of a church that you give towards missionaries is a help to a church. It's a blessing to a church. And I love it when a church during a missions conference or any type of meeting will get the children involved and other ministries involved. And, and preacher, thank you so much for all that you've done. And we appreciate all the little gifts that we're able to take home with us. And they'll be mighty special for us in the days, days ahead. And I'm thankful for what God has done in this place in the area of missions and looking forward to what God will do. I, I never judge one church by another church because um, God gives us different faith for each church. But I do tell oftentimes uh, the story of a church that we uh, preach in every year. Matter of fact, my dad just got through uh, preaching the missions conference for this church. And it's um, over near, near the east side of um, South Carolina, uh, lower or northern part of South Carolina. And uh, they have been doing Faith Promise missions for about 40, 45 years now. And the church runs uh, anywhere from 75 to 90 or so on Sunday morning. And they just took their Faith Promise uh, just a few days ago and the church committed last year $325,000 for the year for missions. And this year they uh, went a little bit above that and um, so far it's at about 333000 Now I'll say that again not to be comparative because um, God doesn't look at the amount as much as the faith of the individual people in the church. And I do believe that all of us uh, need to understand that God will bless us where we are, where our church is. And I am so blessed to see how God is stepping you out by faith. And I pray that in the days to come that you'll be able to take on these uh, precious missionaries and just have them as a part of your um, missionary family. And we're looking forward to what God does for you in this next year. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 85, and while you're doing so, I'll mention just a couple of things. I, I, I do want to ask you to uh, continue to pray for our daughter Emily, and we on purpose have people um, everywhere we go to pray for her, and Pastor and I talked a little bit about her situation last night, but do pray for her. If there are any here in this room that have children that are away from the Lord that we can help you pray with, please give us their name afterwards and uh, if you'll give us your name. And I, I also have a Facebook page, um, a private page that we allow families that are struggling with that, with children, um, to come. And uh, there are a couple of hundred other families that have children that are away from God and they just try to encourage each other in the Lord. And so um, feel free to um, befriend us on Facebook. And if you want to be added into the, our Facebook page, Hope Through Grace, we would love for you to do so. 
But um, please pray that God will just bring our children back to the Lord. Uh, we, we deal with it all over the world, and so I'm, I'm thankful that there are praying people. Uh, I want you to look in Psalm chapter 85. Matter of fact, I want to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able. Now, if you're not able, but just to stretch for just a minute, and I know the time, and I am going to um, be careful of the time this evening. Psalm chapter 85, I'm going to read several verses. The Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah, or think on these things. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath, and thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? And then the statement is given, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints but let them not turn again to folly. Let's ask the Lord to help us. As a matter of fact, you can be seated and we'll have a time of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we open up the scripture, uh, dear Lord, as we come to the end of this uh, time, I pray that you would help our hearts and ears to be open to the word of God. And uh, Father, I know the time is later, and dear Lord, uh, everybody's looking forward to the season of Thanksgiving with their family. But dear Lord, as we come to these last few minutes of this meeting, I pray that you would help us to sincerely open up our hearts to you. Dear Lord, do what only you can do. And Father, we ask again that the Spirit of the Holy One rest upon this place for these few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. We were sitting eating today at the restaurant around my fried chicken that I was enjoying. And I was sitting beside our dear brother that um, was chatting along with me. And he started talking about Brother Beckham being here um, this last week. And he just all of a sudden talked about a message that he preached on the feeding of the 5,000. And I asked him a few more questions about what he uh, preached about, and I know he probably was wondering why, but then immediately said, I, I said to him, well, I guess I'm going to change my message tonight because that was the direction I was going to preach tonight. And so since the Lord did that, I have um, chosen through the leading of the Holy Spirit to go to this passage of Scripture. I am a revivalist preacher oftentimes. My dad and I both, um, my dad, since I was a young boy, I remember him preaching revivals all over South Carolina and North Carolina. We had a tent that we set up um, all the way into the Charlotte area and up into the sand hills of South Carolina. And I remember dad preaching revivals, and I remember that I was called to preach during one of those revivals that my dad was preaching. But something came to my mind several years ago that my father was preaching for Brother um, Clarence Sexton at Temple Baptist Church on a Sunday night. 
And on that Sunday night, Dad preached out of Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2 in speaking on revival. And when the invitation came at the time, uh, the end of the service, the altar was filled. Um, I don't know how many sections are in that church. I think maybe eight um, um, sections in that church or eight aisles in that church. And every aisle from the front to the back, as well as the platform area, the altar area, the platform area, the, many of the choir members had come off and were on their face before the Lord. And you could just see tears all along the, uh, the aisles of that church. People asking God to give them revival. And we went out to eat with Brother Sexton after church and he was talking to dad and I and he said, Tom, he said, there's something the Lord reminded me of tonight. That in the busyness of us serving God as a church or uh, no matter how broad our ministry is or how busy our ministry is, there are times that we need to refocus ourselves, and we need an old-fashioned dose of revival. I believe that as Habakkuk reminds us that at times in the midst of the work of God, we need to be revived. I believe with all of my heart that God's people can do, be doing the right thing, but not be doing it in the right spirit or not being led by the Holy Spirit. Vance Havner said this, he said, revival is just the church falling in love with the Lord all over again. G. Campbell Morgan said this, he said, revival cannot be organized, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. I believe with all of my heart that our churches in this wicked day and time, we need some services where we end up having to tiptoe out because we are careful not to walk out of the presence of God. I believe that we need some services where our hearts are so in tune with the Lord that God begins to shine his flashlight of the word of God inside of our heart. And we want to be clean from within and without. Now, this psalm that we read is not a psalm of David. It's a psalm of Korah. But we see that the psalmist here in this passage of scripture reminds us of two things and then we're going to turn over to one of David's psalms in just a minute. In verse 4 of Psalm 85, Korah says this, or the psalmist says this, turn us, O God, of our salvation. Do you know what? When our, when our sensitivity to God is not right, it's not God that turns away from us. It is we that turn away from God. Now we understand, as it's been said this week, that God cannot look upon sin. But the ultimate decision for us, for our, our relationship to have a division, is that we turn away from God. And the psalmist comes and says, God, turn us back to you. Cause our mind and our heart and our soul and our will to be focused back on you again. But... He then goes to verse 6 and says, Wilt thou not revive us again? And the reasoning 
of this need of revival is so that God's people can rejoice in him again. Rejoice in who he is. Boy, I'm thankful that I'm a child of the king. Amen. I'm thankful for, for who God is. Now, because of time, I want you to quickly go back to Psalm chapter 51, and I want to look at what I call David's hymn of revival, or David's psalm of revival. And most of it, I'm not going to take time to go back into the background of this, this passage, because all of us understand what happened in the life of David, that David so dreadfully fell away from God but there was something interesting about David. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He had such a deep relationship with the Lord. In Psalm chapter 40, the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my foot upon a rock and established my going and he put a new song in my mouth and praise unto our God and many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. David said this in Psalm chapter 40, uh, 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. If David was a member of most of our independent Baptist churches, at the time of David's sin, many churches would have churched David. If he had not been repentant, there would have been a reason for it. But David was close enough to God and there was such a sensitivity in his spirit to want to know God and to walk in the, in the steps of God and to know in his heart the, the um, love of God and to have it shed abroad in his heart. There was such a desire to know God. Matter of fact, you could, I, I could just keep on thinking about Scripture, but you can go uh, in uh, Psalm chapter 63, I, I believe it is. And David says there in Psalm chapter 63, he talks about, um, and I just, it just ran across my mind and left. Psalm chapter 63, let me get it real quick before I forget. Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen in the sanctuary. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I might dwell, may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What a wonderful thing about the psalmist David, and what a wonderful thing about our Lord to think about the steps away from God that David went down. But even after he fell into sin, God allowed David to write 40 of the Psalms even after falling into sin. Aren't you glad that God's a God of a second chance <laughs> and a third chance and a fourth chance? But Psalm chapter 51 is the repentant Psalm of David. I'm going to give you three things that I want us to see from the life of David and from this Psalm of what brought David back to revival and what ultimately it caused to happen in the life of David. Three simple things. Number one, 
I believe that David began to find a renewed look at himself and who he was. I want you to notice just a few verses beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, uh, in, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He said, wash me throughly. Wash me throughly. David had been in sin. Do you know what? The sin that David committed, although there he was at the old city of David, and he, he was looking out across the balcony of the old city of David down into the kid, towards the Kidron Valley, and there in those lines of homes that are, are below somewhere, he looked out of the old balcony of the old city of David, and he lusted over this woman. And lust, when it hath conceived, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Amen. It sounds simple, but the steps are not simple. And David went through these steps in his mind. Can I say this? And the, these that, are, that study the actions of people understand this, but all of our sin begins in our mind. That's why the scripture reminds us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our mind has to be purified. We have to have the renewing of our mind oft times. The renewing of our mind. And so David came to the time that he had accepted his sin after the prophet with his bony finger had come and stuck it in his face and said, David, thou art the man. And you know what? Sometimes it, God doesn't, we don't need to wait until we have fallen into the depths of sin. Sometimes we need to let an old-fashioned preacher stand behind a pulpit like this and stick out a bony finger and say to us as God's people, there are some things that we are harboring in our heart and we need to let God have it. We need to give it to God. The joy is not there. The peace is not there. The excitement's not there. The, the, the um, privilege of serving God is not there like it used to be. We need for God to do something in our hearts. And David began by saying, God, hey, look out, Lord, I want you to thoroughly search me. Thoroughly search me. The Bible says in James chapter 1, beginning to talk about the word of God. Be not doer, be hearers of the word, or be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, this man is likened to, uh, somebody help me. I just, I, I had a brain freeze again, preacher. It, it, it ran by, somebody tell me. I know you're not there yet. This, uh, somebody help me so I can continue on. Usually my wife's helped me by now. <laughs> this man beholding his natural face in a glass, it came by. Beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and straightway goeth away and forgetteth what manner of man he was. 
Have we often done that as a child of God? We've come into a service such as this or such as last, last night or such as the preacher preached. We've come into a service and boy, God's begun to stir our hearts and talk to us and, and encourage us and we can feel him inside just testing our spirit and we know that God's doing something but the time of invitation comes and we settle ourselves down and we say, it'll be all right. Whoso looketh into the, per but uh, the Bible says that uh, uh, if we just listen to the word of God and not heed the word of God, it's lo like looking into a mirror. I, I have to wear a CPAP at night, which I hate. I hate and I love. I have a hate and love relationship with it. But one of the things about this CPAP, my wife has made me some uh, felt straps that I can put on it. Because if I don't, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I have these straps lines on my cheeks. And every now and then, they, they stay for a while. And sometimes I'll go to church in the morning and it looks like I've been wearing a bike helmet on. Uh, uh, and I've got these strap helmets. But you know what? I can come to church and I can have those, those strap marks on me and, and I can have stuff on my face that I didn't wash off from breakfast in the morning. And I can look in the mirror as I go out the door at, at the hotel and say, ooh, boy, I'm looking pretty rough today. And just go and forget what manner of man that I really was. Come up here and mount this pulpit and I look out across the crowd and people are just giggling and talking to each other and saying, uh, what's wrong with him? Just forget what manner of man we are. But James goes on from there and he says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. This is a perfect book, folks. If you and I want to be thoroughly clean or truly clean, we allow this book to be a light inside of our hearts to let God know that we want him to cleanse every secret fault that we have. And David had gotten so tired of being mediocre. He, he had loved the Lord so much and his heart was consumed as, as the deer panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. But there had come a time in David's life that he had lost that thirst and he had lost that desire for God. And I'm in too many churches today that are good churches, but people are doing the right things, but they've lost their thirst for an almighty God. We're not consumed with him anymore. And David said, search me, O God. He said, uh, he said in verse um, 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this wickedness in thy sight. Verse 6, he said this, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Do you know what? My wife knows my faults and failures on the outside. She knows what some of my besetting sins are. But my wife doesn't know my heart. Can I tell us this? We don't know our heart. Our heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
We don't know our hearts, so we must come before this perfect book and say, God, I, I don't have the desire for you that I used to, and I need that again. Lord, will you search me throughly and show me those things that I need to bring me back into fellowship with you? C.H. Spurgeon told the illustration of a man who was walking in the wilderness by himself. And as he was walking through the wilderness, he became parched and dry and just was weary from his travel. So as evening came around, he decided to find him a cool cave somewhere to get in and rest for the night. And so he finally found a cool cave and found a little a flat rock on the outside and took it in as his pillow and he laid himself fast asleep and he slept soundly all night. But he woke the next morning and as the rays of the sun began to illuminate the walls of that cavern, to his dismay he looked around and he began to see serpents as they were slithering around on the floor. He saw scorpions as they were coming back and forth. He saw all kinds of animals that were climbing the walls. And as he looked up to the top of that cavern, to his dismay, he saw bats as they were flying around back and forth. And he had slept soundly in that condition all night. Can I tell us as God's people, it is a possibility that you and I can sleep soundly in our sin and not even recognize what's going on around us and what Satan is trying to do and what the world is trying to bring into our homes and into our churches. We can go through all of that and not know what Satan's vices really are. David began to understand. He said, wash me thoroughly. So he began to have a new, renewed look at himself and then secondly he began to have a renewed look at God and who he is. Do you remember the children of Israel in their wanderings in the wilderness almost 500 years they were in bondage in Egypt. For a period of time they were under slavery and then for a period of time, of time they were under extreme slavery. I don't know about you, but I would think that any of us would get tired of that after a while. And I don't think it would take us 500 years to get tired of it. To be in servanthood to someone who was a dictator. Someone who was a slave driver. But God's people were in that condition. And the sad thing is, is when God brought them out of Egypt and they came across the Red Sea by the hand of God and they be, uh, came, to the, uh, came to the Jordan River and there at the Jordan River they came to the place of Kadesh and at Kadesh it was a, a place of decision for them. They were going to have to make a decision. Matter of fact, they went ahead and sent 12 spies over into the land of Canaan to make a decision for them. Is this land of promise, is it worthwhile for us to go and take? But the greatest enemy that the children of Israel faced as they took that 40-year wandering in the wilderness 
was not the Canaanites or the Midianites or the Hittites or the Jebusites or the Philistines or any of these other enemies. The greatest enemy that they faced was their own insecurity of who God was. They complained about the goodness of God. They complained about he, who he was. The, in, the, in the marching of the 12 tribes of Israel, there was another tribe that uh, came at the rear of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was called the mixed multitude. And they were, they were a belligerent bunch because they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. And they caused the children of Israel to murmur over and over and over again. And God got tired of it over and over again because they did not recognize who God really was in their life. He had already been, they had already been told that he was, I am. He was everything that they needed. He's all I need when I just need someone to talk to. He's always there to hear my prayer each time I call him. All my needs he will provide, uh, uh, however else it goes. (laughs) You know, my my mind's going in these little uh, boxes tonight. And at the end of the box, it shuts off and I have to start again. God is all that we need. We can look into the name of the Lord Jesus and we can find that he's Adam, an advocate, an anointed, apostle, author, amen, ancient of days, born of a woman. He's our beloved, our bridegroom, the bright morning star. He's the bishop. He's the sweet cluster of camphor. He's the chosen of God. He's the daysman, the deliverer, the day star, the door, the desire of all nation. He's the elect, the ensign, the everlasting father, the first fruits, the faithful witness. He's God. He's the gift of God. He's the glory of the Lord. He's the horn of salvation. He's our help. He's our hope. He's I am. And we could go on. He's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And what God's people did not understand and what David had lost sight of, he had had such a desire to know God, but he had forgotten who God was in his life. Do you know what? Some of revival is just us getting a renewed look at ourselves to see where we have failed God, but to get a new renewed look at who God is. He began to say in verse 7, he said, God purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness Look what it says, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Have you ever studied the shepherds of of the Old Testament or even today? Many times the shepherds, they carried a staff and they carried a rod with them. The staff was used as a sheep would go into the weeds or the thorns and that hook would be used to draw them out. But oftentimes, if there was a young sheep or even an older sheep that would continue to stray away from the shepherd and just was bent on going out and getting away from the sheepfold, you know what that shepherd would do? He would take that rod and he would break the legs of that sheep. He would bring that sheep back to the sheepfold and anoint its head with oil. 
show it kindness and love. Raise it back up so that the bones which he had broken can rejoice again. You may not be where I've been, but I'm so thankful that I've been at the times that God has broken my bones, spiritually speaking. But I can remember the times immediately after feeling that weight and that pain of God breaking my bones spiritually. I can remember him taking me in his arms and anointing my head with oil. Saying, son, I love you. I just don't want you to stray. Oh, we need to understand that there's so much better when we're in the arms of the Lord Jesus. He said, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide not thy face, hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. You know what he's got a renewed look at who God is. He said, God created me a clean heart. We can't make our heart clean. But I'm so thankful that God can. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Now I'll come to the third thing and I'll close. David came to the place that he had a renewed look in God and who he was. A look, renewed look at himself. But thirdly, I want us to see that he had a renewed look at others. Look in verse 11. You see, he said, cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, we know as a child of God today that we cannot have the Holy Spirit taken from us. That's the earnest of our salvation. That's how I know that I'm saved. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. But he says, cast not me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy, as we saw over in Psalm 85, the same terminology. But then it says, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Can I ask us... Uh, and I, I'm asking you and I'm asking me and I want each of us to search our hearts individually. Is our service for God done in the same spirit as when we first got saved? I don't know any people or I don't know too many people that truly got right with God and got saved that didn't have a desire to serve the Lord after they got saved. You can't take a big God and put him in a little heart and it not make a difference, amen? You can't be brought up out of the miry clay and have your feet set upon a rock and establish your going and it not make a difference. You can't be brought from death unto life and it not make a difference. You can't be brought from darkness unto light and it not make a difference. There's a story that we had to tell after we got saved. But listen to me carefully, church family, and, and I want God to speak to me and speak to us individually and all of us before we leave here do business with the Lord. Is our zeal to serve God still the same as when we first got saved? Maybe we're still doing what we're supposed to do, but that fervor of the Lord is not there like it used to be. So here's what David said. He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation 
and uphold me with thy free spirit. That's the free, you know, some people would say, well, that gives me freedom to be able to do whatever I want to. No, it gives us the freedom to be able to stay away from Satan's vices and do what God wants us to do. It, it gives us the freedom to be able to do in the spirit of the Holy Ghost to be able to do in unction what God wants us to do with joy in our heart, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So he says this. In verse 13 he says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. This is a simple, simple thought. David had fallen into sin. You can go back into the book of Samuel and you can see the path that David went away from the Lord. David was sorry over his sin after the prophet came to him. But now he truly wants to get his life right with the Lord. And so here he comes before God. And he said, Lord, he said, if you'll restore unto me the joy. Give me the joy of service back again. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Feel, feeling good about serving God again. Not just coming into church and sitting down and looking at what everybody else is doing, but just getting involved and saying, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. He said, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Hey, God, I'll get back to the place that I bring the sheep back to you again because I know that there are others that are hurting just like I was. I had a man in my church, his name uh, I won't mention, but he and his wife had been coming to our church for a long time before I got there. But when I came, he and his wife were only coming on Sunday morning. They never came back on Sunday night and um, they, they had family in the church that was faithful, but it just never been faithful since I had been there and evidently it had been a while. On a Sunday night, we were going through a time, a period that we were praying for revival. We, we started praying nine weeks for revival leading up to a revival service. And God was doing some good things. I, I don't have time to go through all of them, but God was doing some wonderful things. But on a Sunday night, these two came to the altar. They had never been to church on Sunday night, but God brought them there on that Sunday night. And man, we had a time. We had an altar call of close to an hour. And people were going home and getting family members and bringing them back to the, to the altar and getting things right with some family members. It, it was a, just an amazing time of God's goodness. But they got their heart right. I knelt down with them and I said, what's God doing in your life? And they said, man, we have been out of fellowship with God. I decided on Thursday night, which was visitation night, that I was going to go by and see him. And so I drove up to the church on Thursday night and the uh, parking lot was packed full of cars. And we went into my office area. And uh, most everybody gathered around in there and drank some coffee before the time that we began to split up and go out and have visitation. But as I pulled up into the parking lot, there was an old truck there in the parking lot that I didn't recognize. 
And so I walked in, and as I walked in, I was shaking hands with some men, and then I turned the corner, and here's this man that had just gotten his heart right on Sunday night. First time he had ever been at church on Sunday night, got things right with God, and now he's at visitation. Can I tell, tell you this? That shows somebody that's getting right with God. If you have to be begged to come to tell other people about the Lord, there's something wrong. But I had planned that night to go by his house and just see what God was doing in their life. So we began to split up and Eddie asked me, he said, preacher, he said, can I go with you tonight? And I said, sure. So everybody left and Eddie and I went out and got in his truck. He got in, I got in on my side, shut the door, and he just sat there. I said, what are we doing? And this guy that never had any emotion that I had seen started wailing like a little baby, just crying, and man, he was, his face was red as a beet. And I said, Eddie, what's going on? And he said, preacher, God's beating my heart. I said, amen, I'm glad to hear that. And I said, well, what do you think's caused you to stay away from God? And he said, well, he said, I was talking to Cammy, his wife. He said, I was, I was talking to her. And he, uh, she told me, well, it could be this. He said, uh, every Sunday morning after church, I went home and got a six-pack of beer, and I put it on my coffee table there beside my recliner. And I drank that six-pack of beer, and I went to sleep. And I, I didn't care anything about going to church on Sunday night. He said, God has broken my heart. I went out with him. Uh, no, he called me up if, not long after that. And he said, preacher, he said, could I take you fishing? And you don't have to ask me twice about that. And we went up into the sand hills way, way, way down an old road. I saw a lake up on the left and we pulled in. We had talked the whole way there. We got out and started fishing a few minutes and after 20 minutes or so it started raining and we got back in the truck. And we talked a little bit more, got back out. And as we were fishing, there, there's a hill on down from us and up above the hill there, I started hearing what sounded like military cadence. Hup, two, three, four, hup. Two, three, four. And I said, Eddie, what, what's that? And as soon as I asked him that, brother, he started crying again like a little baby. And he said, preacher, he said, I brought you here to fish, but that up there is the reason I really brought you here. I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, preacher, up above that hill is a military style rehabilitation place for boys. And he said, boys that have been in trouble have the option of going to it for a year or to go to jail or to go to juvie home. And he said, the government will pay for a year there. And he said, preacher, I wanted to ask you, do you think if we could work it out that we might could go up there and preach to them every week? I said, brother, you set up the time to meet with them and I'll go with you. We went there the next Tuesday, the next Wednesday, we started preaching every week. 
God began to work in that man's heart. It wasn't long after that that he came to me and he said, Preacher, he said, I believe God's calling me to preach. And he surrendered his life to preach. He has continued over the years to work in more and more and more of those homes. Now he's pastoring a church. You know what happened in the life of that good man? He got a renewed look at who he was. He got a renewed look at who God was in his life. And then on a Sunday night at an altar, he said, Lord, he said, if you'll create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me, I promise you this, I'll teach transgressors thy ways. You want to know how God can break our hearts here in this church for lost people again? It's for us just to get revived in our spirit. Say, Lord, I need you more than I've ever needed you. Would you ask God to search your heart tonight? I want us to bow our heads.